0: Hey, this is Pastor John Ryan Cantu from Numa Church in Houston, Texas. Thank you for listening to the message today. I hope that it blesses you and all those that you share it with. God bless you. I want to get into the word this morning. And uh, if you have your Bibles, I'm going to ask that you turn with me to the book of Revelation. Going back to Revelation. A few weeks ago, I brought this message out of Revelation, um, on the church of Laodicea, also known as the lukewarm church. You can always go back to any message, um, by visiting and subscribing to the Numa church podcast. Um, but I want to go back there today, Revelation chapter two, and we're talking about another church. This one perhaps isn't as bad as the Laodicean church. Um, but I think it's more relatable to today's church culture and that's the church in Ephesus. So we're reading Revelation two verses one through five. And it says this to the angel of the church in Ephesus, to the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, your toil and your patient endurance and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not and found them to be false. And I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake, and you have not grown weary. I can, I can just imagine, I'll just stop there for a second, I can just imagine the church all gathered up. This is the way they kind of did it back in the day. They would the, the writer of any epistle, any, any letter, would send the uh, send scroll with a messenger. The mes- messenger would give it to one of the church elders, and they would read it out loud in front of the congregation. And so I imagine I can just picture the church hearing all of this, uh, all of this praise, feeling good about themselves, feeling, feeling proud. I can see the high fives going around and, you know, it feels good to be noticed and it feels good to be, uh, to be appreciated. We've done well. We have toiled in our work. We, you know, we have been patient in our endurance. We have not tolerated evil in our midst. Praise God. But how many, of you, how many of you know that no matter how great you are, you ain't perfect. You ain't perfect. You got weaknesses too. This week I finally got around to watching the documentary, The Last Dance. Praise God for Michael Jordan. Man. It, it chronicles the success story that is Michael Jordan and the, and the 1990s uh, Bulls. I've always been an MJ fan. I, I would have all his posters up in my room. I had I had the shoes. Um, and as much as I've been a LeBron fan for a very long time, I do believe that that Jordan is the goat. He is the greatest basketball player of all time. Can I get an amen? amen. All right, all right, we're in agreement. <laughs> But as the documentary, uh, documentary highlighted, it showed him in all of his greatness, man. No one could keep up with him. Um, he, people, would, people would talk mess about him, and he would retaliate, retaliate with just, just slaughtering them, just like the, the orange team did with us last night. And, and uh, he, he could do all these things that no one else could do, but even he wasn't perfect. And verse 4 here says, but I have this against you. That you have abandoned the love that you had at first. Remember, therefore, where you have fallen. Repent. Talked about repentance last week. Repent and do the works that you did at first. If not, I will come to you and I will remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Thinking over this word this week, man, I started, I started thinking about a lot of things. I've really been into the book of Revelation lately. I've been finding myself doing very deep studies on that book. I feel like I'm in se- seminary again. Um, but I started thinking about this word to the church. And I started, I started wondering, like, how does a church get to a place of passionless service? How does it happen? What's, what's the process? And, and why do some people lose that first love? Why can't some people stay on the course of their faith? Why do so many abandon it? Why, why does burnout happen? Why do sometimes we just, why, why do sometimes we get tired of being Christian? Maybe last, that last one you're like, "No, nah, not me, pastor. I can't relate to that one I, I'm always a good Christian. Well our actions don't always agree with that so why, why do we why do we lose our temper sometimes? Why do we get frustrated easily? Why do we get stressed out? Why do we lose our patience when the, when the scripture commands us to, to, to walk in the spirit and, and, and produce the fruit of, 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 of patience? It's, it's because we don't always come at things from a place of love. Can we, just admit, can we just acknowledge that for a second? Can we just admit that? I don't always do things out of love. That's the first step. Come on. Like how many, how many times have you come to church because you had to serve that day? That was it. It wasn't out of love. It's out of obligation. That happens. That happens sometimes. And if it happens too many times, it becomes, sorry, I bit myself. Gosh, it hurts. Okay. (laughs) Praise God. (laughs) Or man, when you're about to start getting it, man, um, And sometimes when we keep doing things out of obligation, it becomes a trend. And and now you're doing everything out of obligation. And maybe it's not the obligation uh, to to, to serve. Maybe it's the obligation to come to church just because you haven't been in a while. I mean, I need to make an appearance before the next time I go, they're handing me a a, a visitor's card. I got got to show up so that they don't think that I'm not a member anymore. Maybe you refrain from saying that non-Christian thing, not because of love, because... You got a reputation to protect. And, and don't get me wrong. These things aren't wrong. Honoring obligations and, and commitments, that's a, that's a good thing. What I'm saying is that then when we take, when our obligations take the place of love, that's when we begin to lose what we had at first and that happens as we get deeper into our relationship with Christ because there's so many different byproducts of being a Christian. You go to church, there's ministry, there's service and volunteering, there's bible studying, there's teaching your kids the word and we're involved as Christians in so much that eventually our relationship with Christ becomes as the title of my sermon is complicated. It's complicated. It's complicated. Have you ever been in a complicated relationship? It's complicated, right? It's just, like, you don't know what you're doing, who you are. You don't know how to introduce your significant, or whatever it is. Like, this, this hey, this is my girl, my, my good friend. You're, like, in a weird place. You guys remember MySpace? MySpace had that that uh, option to select. to select. Uh, it's complicated, right? Whenever you were asked if you were in a relationship, it's complicated. Melissa and I, we... Uh, We had our share of complicated seasons, you know, and, and, and when you're dating and you're high and you're in high school, high school, I'm I'm about to tell y'all this. Listen up. Uh, You, you know that you're about to enter a complicated relationship whenever you're about to break up with your girlfriend or your boyfriend. And y'all both agree not to tell anybody. Let's not, let's not tell anybody yet. Uh, we need to wait. We, we need to wait. I, I don't, I don't think Karen can handle this. She's going to hate you. She's going to blow you up. She's going to write you off. Let's just, let's not tell anybody yet. Like everybody's obsessed with us, right? All right. That's a complicated relationship. Melissa and I, uh, we had those because we were, you know, we were dating since we were in high school and we would break up like every weekend. That's the thing that you do. And when, when you're in high school, like every weekend freedom. And then Monday is like, all right, let's, let's get back together. Right. And then, and then, uh, when we were in college, we, we, we really, uh, had some, some seasons of just complicated. We, we actually broke up two times for, for a long time. The first time we broke up, uh, it was for about a year. And then the next time we got back together and then we broke up again for like eight months. And during all of this time, we continued to care about each other. She was still my boo, you know? And, and And we didn't always see each other but but we would still remain in contact and and i would we would talk on the phone, and every time you talk on the phone when you 're in a complicated relationship, it ends in a breakup and you 're not even together, so we would end every conversation like i 'm done with this done right and 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 so it it 's complicated because it's like there, there's there was love there, but like there wasn't love there you're just in a weird place and you know, we complicate our relationship with Christ sometimes the same way. And that's why I think this message is so timely. It, it speaks at the heart of today because the church today, man, we, we remain active. The church is active. It is alive. It is doing things. So many churches around uh, the, the, the nation have so many types of programs and activities and ministries. So many ministries, man. So many more ministries than the early church had. We have dance ministry, writing ministry, drama ministry, fashion ministry, all kinds of ministries. And, and, and it's good that we found ways to minister to people within whatever it is that we're doing. And, and Christ is always at the center of it all, but is love at the center of all that we do. That's the question. That was the problem with the Ephesian church. What you're doing is good, guys. Y'all are doing a lot. Y'all are killing it with the activities, with the ministries, with the church attendance, with the, with the giving. I mean, y'all are killing it. But it's a little empty. Where's the substance? And this, this is how you know. Church, this is how you know that Jesus values your love more than he values your commitment to religion. Now, look, commitment is good. Commitment is real good. Don't start belling out on me now, okay? Because pastor's like, oh, he don't care about commitment. That's cool. No, commitment is good. We need commitment. Commitment is a byproduct of your Christianity. We We can talk about commitment. That'll preach. But love is greater. Jesus didn't say the greatest commandment I give you is commitment. He said the greatest commandment is love. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. That's the greatest. That's first. And so he desires your love for the relationship that you have with him more than he values your, your, your commitment to your religion. Because look, a commitment to, to a religion is an obligation. Religion tells you what you ought to do, what you should do. I ought to come to church. Yes, I ought to give. I ought to serve. That's all true. But Jesus wants us to go a little bit deeper than that. Love is obligation free. You do it out of your heart. You do it out of your willingness. You do it. You sacrifice because you love, not because oh, I got to do this. <sighs> you know, Jesus doesn't want an arranged marriage with the church. I've thought about that before. I always feel sorry for, there's, there's some cultures that still, they, they do arrange marriages. And I'm thinking to myself, what if I see her and she ain't that pretty, you know? <laughs> you know, like how do you, how do you handle that, man? You know, like, like I don't, I want to, I want to get into a relationship with someone that I want to get in a relationship with. So, so Jesus doesn't want the church to be like an arranged marriage. You know why? Because when he comes back, he wants us to be excited to see him. It's not like, Oh, there, there he is. Let's go. (laughs) He wants you to be happy about it. So so he issues this correction to the church of Ephesus. He says, you're doing the right things. I don't have a problem with what you're doing, but you've lost the love in which used to fill your every toil. The reason that you got up every morning was because of the love that you had. That was the only fuel in your tank. And I want to give you just two reasons real quick of why I think we fall into this trap of loveless service. The first reason is, is sometimes our work for Christ or our walk with Christ becomes a burden. It's just a burden. And I think this is one that many people struggle with. The, uh, you know, the, the burden of that commitment that you made to your church. When you signed up, you did it out of love. You were ready to go. You had that fire. Nothing could stop you. And then you got tired because we get tired sometimes. And then because you didn't think it uh, to yourself to take a break and to, to rest and to keep going, it became an obligation. It became a burden. And now every Sunday you're only coming to church because it's a burden. And it's affected all of the other areas of your faith. So now you're, you even struggle finding time to, to read the word. Oh, man, I've got to get up early. I've got I to do it. I've got to do it. Instead of, man, I get to do it. At least once a week, I, I wake up. I'm usually the first one to wake up, and I'll prepare a big breakfast for for the girls. I enjoy cooking, man, and you know what? I'm, I'm pretty good at it, okay? And, and I'm, I'm starting to be a beast on the grill, too, so once this pandemic is over, y'all come over to the new house, hang out, go swimming, and I don't know, maybe I'll maybe I'll grill something. I'll pray about it. We'll see. But... I, I, I make them, I, make my family breakfast and it's a big breakfast. I go all out, get the eggs, get the bacon, get the, uh, get the, the pancakes and, and the sausage and, and the orange juice and the coffee. It's, it's great. And I do it because I want to gather around the table with my family. We tell Layla, okay, we're, we're going to take a break from the TV. We're going to take a break from the phone. And you know, it, takes, it takes her a while to, to do that. So I have to like tell her some of my killer dad jokes. And, and she thinks I'm hilarious. And, and I want to do that because I love my family. And I want to spend time with them. Now, if you take away that love factor away, and let's say I just do it out of an obligation, well, yeah, you should probably still feed your family. You know? <laughs> but the conversation around the breakfast table is totally different from when I want to do it as opposed to when I don't want to do it. And you can feel the energy. The energy is either positive or it's negative. And then you leave the breakfast table either in a good mood or in a kind of indifferent mood. And we never want to leave church indifferent. We never want to leave church like nothing, nothing just happened. I just, I was just sitting down for an hour, an hour and a half. We want to leave church, man. I can't wait to come back here next Sunday. That's love right there. And so if you find yourself, church, if you ever find yourself becoming burdened by the things of God to the point where everything that you do is just out of obligation, Jesus says, remember where you have fallen. Remember, trace your steps back. Think about that. Think about that, that, that initial response to your obedience. Remember what what state you were in? Remember how good it felt to say yes. Remember how ready you were? You didn't have, you didn't have to, you didn't have to think about it. You didn't have to hesitate. Whatever God said, you were like, let's do it. Remember that place. A lot of times to get back to the place where we used to be, we have to, we have to remember because most of the times we're focused on, on the current. And so if I'm, I'm burdened to bring a word to you every Sunday because I'm, I'm, I'm tired and i, I got to do it every week and every day, got to think about what's coming on Sunday. And if that's my attitude and it's all that consumes my mind, I have to remember why I committed to it in the first place. Yes. Right, right before the prodigal son Returned back home. You know what the Bible says? It says, and he remembered how good he used to have it. He remembered that his servants even had it better than he had it. He remembered and he went back. Someone needs to remember the reason they said yes to Jesus. Someone needs to remember. got to remember why you sing that song. It's not just a song. You got to remember what you're saying and why you're saying it. Remember the day that you fell in love with your creator, man. It'll change your world. And the second reason, I think this is also very common as well. Maybe it's not that it becomes a burden, but it just becomes a, a routine. And this one, I think, can be a little bit more dangerous than the first because we don't even realize when it becomes a routine. We don't even we don't even realize that we've lost the love. We're just, we're just doing it, and we convince ourselves that our life of routine is lived out of love when in reality it's lived out of familiarity. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm used to this, so this is why I do it. This is all I know. I don't know a different type of lifestyle, so I'm just going to stay in my lane. This is comfortable for me. This is familiar to me. So I'm just going to do this. I don't got anything else to do on Sunday, so I'm going to go to church. And if you grew up in church, you, you know what I'm, what I'm talking about. It's not going to be that hard for you to come back to church next Sunday if, if you grew up coming to church every week. Or if you lived a life of, of serving and being involved with the church. It's, it's not going to be hard to keep doing those things if you're already used to doing those. So I have to emphasize w- one more time the fact that I'm not downplaying any of those things. right? I'm, I'm not downplaying commitment and, and, and your obligation to, Routine become lifestyles and lifestyles for Christ are great. We need more of those, but these things often take place of genuine love. And that is, is where I think we need to rethink what we do church. There's a, there's a song that was uh, written by Matt Redmond. Maybe you guys know it, the worship leader. The song is the heart of worship. It's kind of old, older song. Um, he wrote it. I don't know if you know the story behind it, but he wrote it at a after a time where the church was really just being positively influenced by, uh, the, the, the culture of worship. There was this, uh, worship, uh, movement happening. Um, and it, it's, it's the movement where a lot of greats, you know, uh, worship leaders and worship bands starting to come out of and you know and hill song and, and elevation worship and, and it it was like when worship music became cool and it attracted young people and so churches were were filling up with young people and that's great because we need young people. But Matt Redmond he says that the pastor of this church that he was attending that he was leading worship at he said that while his church was growing, he felt like something was missing in their worship. It just, it just felt, I mean, the energy was there. The atmosphere was there, but something was, was missing. And, and so he did, uh, he did something that was pretty unconventional, especially for churches. He said, okay, for the next several Sundays, we're not going to have any worship music. What do you mean we're not going to have worship music? Worship, what are we going to do? What are we gonna do? We're gonna worship. We're just not gonna do it with the music. Because I'm I'm afraid that the music is taking the place of the worship and we're confusing the two. And that's 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 not it. That's not it. And so he said, We're we're not gonna do our regular four to, to six song set. Of course, people had a problem with that. How are you gonna take it away? I remember several years ago we were kind of discussing our worship service and how many songs we should do. And, you know, it was like a debate. Oh, we should do four songs. No, we should do six songs. And and it's like, it doesn't doesn't really matter how many songs we do. Because we could do ten songs and nobody's worshiping. We could do no songs and everybody's worshiping. I remember that now I was so frustrated that day when, when, uh, the, uh, something was happening with the back. It was, it was like the week or two weeks after we got robbed, we got robbed here in the sanctuary. And, and so we were just kind of rebuilding our stuff again. And, and like two weeks later, we got to the stage and we we're ready to do worship and we were having issues. We couldn't hear anything. Everything was turned off. And man, I was, I was upset. I was upset. How are we not going to have worship songs? And God broke me in that moment. And the worship, the the spirit of God fell in the place as proof to me, as even a pastor at that time, that you don't need music to bring in the atmosphere of the presence of God. And so he did this. No songs. He says, don't equate worship. With, 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 Don't equate worship music with worship. Not the same thing. And so he says, okay, we're, not gonna, we're, we're just going to be quiet in the sanctuary. And we're just going to really, really find out if our, our people are, are worshiping or they're just getting down. Because we're going to learn how to worship in authenticity. Where all we need is not a lyric, is not a, a minor chord. It's just the spirit of God. And when, when I read that story, I, I just wondered to myself, like, cause I'm a pastor, I know how it is. Like, I wonder how many people left during that time. I, I'm going to pastor, I need my worship music. I need it. <laughs> right. I need, there's a TikTok right there, All Right. Pastor, I need my worship music. So, you know, call me when the worship team is back and, and I'll come back. Right. And, and I've, I've entertained ideas like that before. Like, what if we just took out all the stuff for a while, all the fluff? What if we just stripped out all of the ministries? I'm just, this a crazy idea, right? What if we just stripped out everything and Sundays we just opened the doors and people came in here and we're just going to pray and we're going to worship and then we're going to hear a word and that's it. See you next Sunday. I wonder how, how, how much the numbers would go down Because people need the activities of the church to draw them closer to God. Now the church is good. And that's, this is why the church is here to, 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 to be a spirit of influence in our world. But we got to learn how to love God when there's nothing else on the table, man. That's what this word is about. (laughs) I have will come up. I want you to ask yourself this morning, church, am I still walking this walk out of love or has it become a burden? Have I gotten too tired? Am I, am I saying yes, because I feel like I have to, and I can't say no. Has it become a routine where it's just, you've become kind of a, 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 a robot And you've kind of created an automated system of worship. Is is that what it is? Or is the thing that fuels you love and love alone? I want you to ask yourself that question this morning. And right there where you're at, I just want to ask that you reflect. And I'm going to ask, I'm going to ask that you, you you stand. I'm I'm about to close here. And I want to pray with you. I want to pray with you, but I'm also going to ask. I'm not going to have the worship team. I'm just going to have a will here on the keys. I'm just going to ask that you take a, a minute right there and just worship God. If you're watching this on your phone, maybe, maybe you don't get the whole you know experience, but I'm just going to challenge you right now to just stop and just pray. If there's anything this season has taught us is that, man, we, we can be close to God even without being in an auditorium. In an auditorium. Even without having loudspeakers blasting our ears off, we can worship God on our own. And I'm just gonna, I wanna give you that opportunity for just a minute. Just right there where you're at, just lift up your hands and just begin to worship God with just your heart, man, just with yourself. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you for your goodness, Lord. We thank you. for listening. If you'd like some more information on Numa Church, visit us on our website at mynumachurch.org. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe or share it with your friends on social media and tag us at mynumachurch. Thanks again and God bless.